Prowlerzens, Prowlerzens.com. Today we're going to talk to uh, Robert Pritchard, who started Surf Reality, uh, a club that in the 90s spawned all this alternative comedy. If a lot of famous people came out of that, um, Brody Stevens, Jim Gaffigan, tons of people, including Hemda and Keith, who met, right, from Keith and the Girl, you guys met at Surf Reality? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it was such a cool space. And that's where I met you as well. That's where we met. Yeah. And yeah. it's it, it was the most incredible place where every Sunday there was an open mic that brought all of these people together. That's where I met you guys. And then it was open for the rest of the week to just do all this art for such a low amount of money so people could really showcase what they want to do. There's a lot of weird performance art. Christian Finnegan came out of that. Yeah. Speaking of, of weird. <laughs> Speaking of totally weird. But now, Keith, you were doing you were there to do stand up? Uh, every weekend I did stand up. And no matter what time I was called, whether it was right away or whether it was four in the morning. Right. And you would go perform. And now you have a new DVD, your late, your 10th. I'm CD. very excited then. So I performed, uh, I did stand up there for a year and then kind of said, hey, why don't you do uh, record a show? So we did a show. Then we've been doing it one show every year. Now we just did the 10th one. One stand up show a year. One stand up show a year. Right. And this is the 10th one. And I did like a best of, but you know how much I curse. This time I decided to do it clean. And it just puts a different uh, challenge and spin on it, and I'm very proud of it. And what is it called? Good, clean, fun, the very best of Keith Maui. Great. And it's uh, very funny. So you can buy the CD for uh, iTunes or keithandthegirl.com slash clean. Yeah. And then what happens if you do that? You send you guys a receipt? You have some kind of, (laughs) that's not all kind of deal going. You know, we've been DIY. We're from Keith and the Girl. I don't know if you've said it. So we've we've done a podcast from when podcasts were just for nerds, right? And so... People didn't really know exactly what podcasting is, but we established uh, an audience that knows us and we did a lot of DIY because of it. So when we put out a CD and a DVD, we thought iTunes was, you know, out of reach or or that we could maybe um, it, it would help because we put so much money into it because we did it ourselves. We recorded ourselves, we filmed it ourselves, and then we put it out ourselves on our own website. This is the first time that we're really pushing it on iTunes first. So what happens is you get it on iTunes, you get the album in audio form, then you email us the receipt and we give you up to a 75% discount on the DVD, wow. which we sell ourselves. What? Whoa. Yeah, because we want to see what iTunes can do. Is that is that weird to say? No, that's fine. You no, because no, right now it's 15 on iTunes as we record this. We yeah. hope to go higher. Yeah. We go even better. I mean, it's, it's crazy from your living room. You produced this thing. I mean, obviously, you did it on stage for right. a bunch of people, but you mixed it, whatever. And now it's on iTunes. Now it's number 15. Yeah. It's beating all these other guys. That's how funny it is. Yeah. So and the thing is, is, you know, what we we make our money from all this kind of stuff to keep the show going. So um, normally, it would help for us to... Pr- for us to sell it ourselves so that we can make a little more of the money. But now we want to see, hey, if we sell it on iTunes, iTunes takes a pretty decent chunk, but will they get us more listeners? Will it be good if we get in the top 10? It's sort of like an experiment of we're still doing it DIY, but we want to see if we can go the route that everybody else is at the same time. Does right. that make sense? And then Yeah, and then you can still buy the DVD from you guys, which mm-hmm. has extras on it. You doing stand-up for the first time. Is it <laughs> at Surf? No, no it's... it's- it's at it's the recent. night. Yeah. Oh, all right. It's at the same night that I recorded the CD. So she had to get a little bit of the, a little taste of the celebrity. Yeah, she was very issues. good. I was surprised. Oh, it's great. Oh, God. You know what? It's not the same because we tell jokes on Keith and the girl all the time, and I'm very comfortable with that. But to stand up on stage and to say, I'm about to be funny, specifically with these words that I've memorized, that was really nerve wracking. 
You memorize the whole act. Yeah, right. yeah. I can't do it as as well as Keith memorizes an hour in two weeks, and I. It took me two weeks to memorize five minutes. Keith, besides this album, what's your favorite album of the ten? Oh, that's tough. That is tough. It's always the latest one, so it'd be State of the Union right before this. Right, but well, this one's really funny because it's. All your best stuff. It's clean. You're struggling at being clean. It's not who you are. It, it really isn't. No. The, the CD is really fake. But <laughs> I'm yeah. still proud of it. No, you no, know it's what? still very funny. His ridiculous personality comes out, and, and we fill in the curse words very well. You can figure it out. Yeah, actually, I think that it... I've heard all these jokes before because it is a best of, but he made it as if it's all new jokes because he had to go around the language, so he added jokes to it. So yeah. I think it's a whole new experience. I want somebody that bought all the old albums to think they really got something new. And yeah. I think they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also, if you never bought one of your albums, right. why wouldn't you buy this one? It's the best stuff. Yeah. And you can play in your car with the kids in there. It's The kids, <laughs> grandma. Yeah. Anybody. Well, it depends on the kid. You can, honestly, you can, you can play it in church. <laughs> instead of church, you can just put it on. Instead of a sermon, it counts. you can play your album. It counts. Yeah. it counts. God says it counts. And what can you just give a deal? Can you just give a number if they say proudly resents? You get how much off on the DVD? They send you the receipt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's 30% for non-VIP members, 50% if you're a VIP member, but... 75% if you're a VIP member and bought it on iTunes. Oh, that's great. So you're yeah. getting like 30% off if you're yeah. not a member. But you should be a member because you get all these great shows you guys have. I'll tell you what, honestly, if they say in the receipt, after they bought it on iTunes and they email us the receipt, store at keithandthegirl.com, if they email that, they can get the 75% off if they say that they heard us on your show. Oh! oh so, that's what we're going for. Yeah. Oh. Come on! <laughs> now you got to do it so it look like... Uh, People are buying the stuff. It's really funny. You're going to get a DVD also for almost nothing. Yeah. So uh, it's a bargain. Yeah. Please go to keithandthegirl.com slash clean. And uh, you can buy the, the, show, the, the CD right of iTunes. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Listen to Keith and the Girl. And coming up is my interview with Robert Pritchard. And uh, I use a word immediately. I use a word incorrectly. And uh, it's embarrassing, but you'll see it. That's what I'm saying. You can't say that word unless you're one of them. <laughs> no way! Huh? Ah, I pushed it. <laughs> you are listening to Proudly Resents. Oh, reason. I, I can't even I hear you. Well. Hi, this is Tony Wazel. Uh, proudly Resents. The Cult Movie Podcast. The Adam Biggest Men Show. All you proudly resent listeners out there, just remember, you can't piss on hospitality. I want it. Right. <laughs> 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 now, you know Faceboy and, and Reverend Jen, staples of downtown yeah. uh, New York comedy scene and, and uh, performance art scene. And you and your wife, or your wife at the time, were started the central, the theater where it all began, I think. Surf Reality. Surf Reality. Surf Reality's House of Urban Savages. And uh, that was on Allen Street? It was above uh, Delhi? It was above... Uh, actually, it was a one-stop shopping uh, mall for uh, urban outlaws. Uh, when we originally moved in, the basement was a brothel. Oh, yeah? Directly below us was a crack deli. They sold cocaine. Uh, they pretended to be a deli, but they were was really all about uh, uh, Peruvian places. marching powder. Uh -huh. And then... Um, 
There was a pawn shop next to them. And then there was a legit deli on the corner that's still there. Uh, and at the time, though, when we were moving in, I recall there was a, a, a Daily News article, the 10 worst sandwiches in New York City. And that deli was one of them. Uh-huh. Um, so now you're bringing your wife and, and so your now future I'm, daughter. So I'm bringing my, my wife. Well, my daughter was already two at the time. So right. my wife and daughter, we moved into this upstairs uh, two lofts. And there's a brothel in the basement, a, 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 like I said, a pawn shop and a crack deli. So you, you could, you know, theoretically, you know, come to this location, to this corner with some, you know, stolen goods, something that fell off the truck, get some money from the pawn shop, go next door, get a little, ca- get a little cocaine, go downstairs, get a date, come upstairs, see a show, all in the same building. And a terrible sandwich in between. And a terrible sandwich for a snack. So what, what you guys started this theater... I used to make fun of the fact that it was like in your living room, but it basically was. The bathroom was. We shared the bathroom with our with the living loft and the theater loft. Shared the there's two lofts, but the living loft there was only one bathroom. By the way, living loft one of the best apartments in Manhattan. It was right. A great view, huge, beautiful. You guys did a beautiful job with it. Uh, I was only there a few times, and I was just amazed because you never go in that part because it's your house. And then when you go in. It's like you expect it to be a tiny room, like all right, because it's New York, but it's a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it, performers got to go back there because uh, that was also backstage, or it was the green room. Right. So, know. what was the the idea behind you guys opening the theater? The idea behind the theater, why we did the theater, was, was it, um, what year was it? This was like we opened, we um, we signed the lease April of '93. And our first, or May of 93, and our first show was December of 93. So it took us that few months to just sort of um, get that uh, performance loft area uh, up and up in, you know, so, so that we could do it. The reason we, we, we went for this was I was actually for, the, uh, for a couple of years uh, prior to that running around town with a high video camera shooting people's shows and their stand-up acts. And I was getting paid for it. And we thought, hey, why don't we just put the camera on a tripod and have them come to us? Mm-hmm. That was the idea. That was great. And did it start out like that? Yeah, that's how it started out. And then after a while, the performance, you know, I was still doing a taping for the first five years. I was actually still getting paid. But after, the, after Jennifer left, I didn't tape that many more people anymore. I was just concentrated on booking the theater. You did a lot of great shows, and a lot of great people came out of it. Well, the big uh, thing was the open mic, right? Was that yeah, the, that was Face Boys open mic, yeah. And that was kind of the uh, magnet. Is, am I wrong? That's how it was, I found it. It was one of, the, one of the magnets. There was two, two big things happened. Three, actually. First, we had a, a reoccurring variety show. Waterline Theater Company brought in the uh, Children of Pujols, and that was a monthly show starting in December of 93, and that, mm-hmm. that lasted two years. It was every month. So, like, we had these eclectic downtown performers coming every month. That was one, one of the... And then Rick Shapiro showed up that summer, the summer of 94. That's how I found the place. And he... Uh, 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 everybody kind of um, was like, wow, you know? <laughs> it was an amazing show. I mean... yeah. For and I think at that age for me it was amazing. Like maybe now I think it's bullshit because I've seen it, but it was just they did sketches. My friend Russell was in uh, one of the sketches, so I went to see him, and they just went on forever. And yeah. they were hilarious, and they were fucked up, and they were weird. And yeah, it'd be like a, a forty-five minutes of him doing solo, and then he'd bring his friends and then, and his brother, his twin uh-huh. brother, and they would great. do and they would do sketches. And this thing would start Fridays like at 
10 and go till maybe 2 in the morning. Their idea was that they would keep going until the last person left. Yeah. Which he only told me years later after I would go and be like, when the fuck is this show going to end? Russell, you should end the show early. Me, the producer, telling him how to do the show. Meanwhile, they had a secret agenda. Their agenda was to try and outlast the audience, you know. And, And, but that brought people. That, like, that put us on the map. And then the next spring, Faceboy started his open mic. And he, and he was really kind of, uh, because uh, where, he was, where it happened originally uh, um, was the collective unconscious when it was on Avenue B, and that place burned down. Uh, it was another theater that did like weird shows. And yeah. A lot and, of SUNY purchased people, actors who... Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they were sort of an offshoot of, of a previous theater group called Gargoyle Mechanique. Mm-hmm. And then the collective unconscious grew out of that. And um, uh, Faceboy was doing his open mic there. The place burns down. He tried a few weeks at the gas station, but there's like no production facilities there, and it was getting cold. It was an actual and, gas and station. And it was an actual abandoned gas station with no heat, and it was getting cold. So he comes to me, uh, and, and, and he says, this is like the spring of, of 95. And he says, Rob, Pritchard, I'm Faceboy. I have this open mic, and I'd like to run it from uh, 9 to 11. Um, oh, is that the lie? Yeah. <laughs> okay. From, from 9 to 11, and it's just going to be two hours, and we'll do it on Sundays. I don't have a lot of money. Can we do a door split? And I was like, you know, I didn't, wasn't booking shows on Sundays anyway. Uh, and I said, sure, let's do this. I thought, that was, I, thought it, I thought it would be a good way to attract more people to, you know, and then maybe people will do their eight minutes and then go, hey, I could do a whole show. And then, mm-hmm. hey, I have a theater. Would you like to book it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then two weeks later, it lasted two weeks. It lasted nine to 11. He goes, um, we got more people that want to go on than can fit in two hours. Can we start at eight? And I said, okay. And I was running the door in those days. I was actually taking the money. And I was like, okay, I'll, all right. You know, and I was like, because for me, it was like, all right, that's another hour of work. Yeah. But I was like, oh, I was down with it because I actually enjoyed the open mic. And I said, okay, fine. And um, so within we're 8 to 11. And then a few weeks after that, he's going, can we stay later than 11? <laughs> it was a lot of people, and everybody got on. Yeah. And he did and, eight minutes. It's unusual, right? Dan, I mean, when you do an open mic, how much time do you get? Uh, it's like three minutes. And do you have to pay to get in? Uh, not at the ones I I try to avoid that. But so the, here you paid three dollars, right? Three dollars. And you got eight minutes to perform. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Eight minutes. And you could do. But what kind of performers were there? Every everything everything. Uh, of course, a lot of stand up comics came and and tried to take over. But uh, Face Couldn't, Boy didn't fa- work out. It didn't work out because Face Boy instituted three rules. Um, no heckling. No picking on the audience. So that kind of right there, you've got the you've sort of undercut the whole comics shtick of audience work. Right. You don't get to go, hey, how are you all feeling? Where are you from? Hey, that's well, a nice tie, sir. You know. Just to get a feeling of what the place is, it's kind of like Toxic Avenger or the class of Newcomb High in a room. Like those people, <laughs> like when you watch Rocky Horror Picture Show and they have the party, yeah. That always reminded me of those are the people, including myself. That sat in the audience and performed on stage was the yeah. party scene from Rocky Horror. So, so we had a lot a of performance artists. A lot of cool and weird, crazy. My joke was if you, uh, if you were just gonna ram something up your vagina or something, people would yell "hack." We've seen it, you know. Like, <laughs> in fact, there was a woman who put a hard-boiled egg up her vagina. The one night, Faceboy was sick. 
Mm-hmm. The one night Jeff Kenny was Jeff, uh, guest hosting, it was like one time out of uh, nine years that Faceboy didn't host. I think Faceboy didn't host maybe twice. This is one of them. Jeff Kenny was guest hosting. There was a woman on stage. She's got it. She she inserts a hard boiled egg into her vagina. The minutes go by. She cannot get it out. Oh my! I God. have to. I have to go back to my my kitchen and. Bring her a spoon. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> that's true. Oh my god, it's so funny. Is that uh, when Jennifer was like, "Forget it." <laughs> that it's crazy. There was other stuff. There was a guy who hung stuff from his balls. Yeah, he, like weights from his actual testicles. And I remember that's what I yelled, "Hack!" Yeah, and right. um, right. Uh, well, Velocity Michael Portnoy Char- painted his penis purple. Sure, Michael Portnoy, who later on became soy, known soy bomb. Yeah, he's the guy who interrupted Bob Dylan. Was it during the at, Grammys? At the Grammys, that's right. He he he. I was working. He on one the, man flash mobbed Bob Dylan. Right, I, I worked at the View at the time, and they're like, I didn't miss that happening, and they came to work, and they're like, this guy is crazy, da da da. And I go, oh fucking Michael, I know that guy. He's terrible. He's a jerk. Whatever. And then I, like, we got to find him. So I called. I got his number, and I called him. He's like, yeah, I'll do your show. Like. It's like, yeah, whatever. But to them, it was such this crazy thing. Yeah. But to us who knew him and seen him do all this crazy stuff, it, it made sense yeah. that he would have the balls to run out there. Oh, yeah. Well, he got, he was hired as an extra. And, uh, uh, you Did know, as, to, be a, to, to be the cool extra on stage. Uh-huh. And so he, he planned it. You know, he was like, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you were letting me onto your stage. <laughs> Who were some of the other things you, people did on stage that was, uh, you know, I, and while you're thinking, I could tell you a couple that stood out for me was, it was a stripper that came up and she, uh, a hooker, she read from her diary. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty awesome. It was like totally honest. And it wasn't like, we were like her peers. Yeah. And she was performing for, for her friends or something. She's reading those personal things. And that was amazing. We'll never see anything or hear words about like that ever again. Just like what was going through her mind. And then it was a guy who was like 400 pounds reading poetry. And he did a thing about, yeah, when uh, I walk in the elevator, I see you looking at the weight how much weight that it that was an amazing thing like it was just so personal that was the stuff that i how about you what's the yeah I, I i agree with you i i mean that the the, the the um the real the the stuff that really uh uh hit home was the personal the honest the real um uh, it, it cut through the insanity. It was like it was kind of interesting. The insanity was almost like a frame for for like these real personal, almost heartbreaking moments sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and people, uh, uh, you know, just t- talking honestly. Like, oh, I forget her name, but this one woman basically would come every week and just tell us how her week went. Uh-huh. You know, and we and and then uh, and then like John King would would come and he'd be the minister of information and he was always fifth after the break and he would he would sort of sum up uh, the neighborhood uh, uh, news events like right. what was going on and then and then sort of tie it into you know uh, a sort of anarchistic vision of like how society in America is 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 you know how that resonates you know to to America at large um, but we had. You know, all, all kinds of, you know, uh, uh, I- interesting and, and, and different performers. Uh, music, amazing music. John, John Hall, Face Boy's brother, uh, would come King perform. Missile. King Missile, Detachable yeah. Penis, uh, The Moldy Peaches, so Kimya Dawson perform. Uh, 
What are some of the famous people that came out of your theater, just to keep people listening so they don't oh, know? People who were famous who actually weren't famous when they first started performing? Yeah, it. I mean, I just... Like Jim Gaffigan uh, was, was a nobody. You know, I interviewed uh, him, and he fully gives credit. When he does that little voice, the little voice, that's from Surf Reality, because he said, you can't just go there and do regular stand-up, because you, you'd, it wouldn't be booed, but it would just seem awkward. So he would do weird stuff, weird stuff, weird stuff, because it's like surf, you can go way on the other spectrum, and people would accept it. And if it worked, it's great. If it didn't, you throw it out. So then he brought it back to stand up, and that's where that voice came out. But otherwise, he would be just yeah. doing straight stand up. Jim, Jim, Jim did like the did this crazy Swedish a- a character who liked wood, uh-huh. uh, and uh, and also like you know, I also produced a, a monthly comedy show for the first four years of the of the theater from '94 to '98. Uh, called Serious Pratt Falls. And it was a comedy show, but I wouldn't book any stand-ups. Uh, or, or, or out of the eight acts, maybe one, I'd book Rick Shapiro. Uh-huh. But uh, like Gaffigan would come do his characters. Uh-huh. Um, but who else performed at Surf? Like Andy Borowitz uh-huh. performed at Surf. Amy Sohn used to read her columns that, were, that would then be you know, in, the, in the New York press. Uh, Jonathan Ames would read there. Um, uh, Ben Stiller was on our stage one time. He was inter- interviewed by a towel puppet. Uh, Dave Chappelle played our uh, our, our show. Uh, DC Benny had a, a weekly uh, uh, comedy show, and Dave Chappelle wow. performed at it. And uh, so I got to meet Dave. And Dave was already, you know, getting huge. And Dave said the same thing you said. He looked around and he goes, "What is this? Somebody's living room?" Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what he said. I was there um, one night and Jeff Ross was there. Jeff Ross was actually helped put us on the map. He did his one-man show there uh, called Superman. It was about his grandfather. And that was also not really a stand-up comedy thing. It was a heartfelt, personal you know, growth story about how, mm-hmm. how his grandfather raised him in New Jersey. And, yeah, Jeff... Jeff was an entirely different performer in those days. Now I saw him just the other day. I saw a clip of him on Comedy Central. He had he had cornrows. Yeah. Whoa. Well, it was because he's being Jeff Franco, uh, James Franco, but still. Uh, <laughs> that no, no, that that's not his cool. look. That's uh, not his look. I was that's like, what? <laughs> well, Mark Maron did his show there? Mark Maron did a bunch of shows there. And uh, he uh, the book he wrote, um, uh, Jerusalem Syndrome, the very first public reading uh, from that book was at Surf Reality, uh-huh. which also then became a show. Um, yeah. Uh, the woman from The Wire? Um, Sonia? Sonia Sohn performed. She, ha- she produced, and, and she brought, like, Sarah Gold came uh-huh. and, and performed at Sonia Sohn's show. Sonia Sohn was one of the um, uh, leads in The Wire uh, later, but before she did that, she would, did a weekly show at Surf Reality, and she brought the Uptown crowd down. So, oh, that's great. And, you know, that was a, yeah, it was really great. Very excited. Big things are happening. It's appropriate because Netflix, you can get it streaming free at proudlyresents.com slash Netflix. Okay. If you have Netflix and there's something you watched that you liked and you want to let people know about it, more obscure, just something you got into, write me and I'll talk about it on the air or email a quick review. Proudpod at gmail.com or at proudlyresents are two ways how to reach us. But go to our Facebook page, uh, the community of people who like obscure and weird films and fun films, and, and you can post your favorite films and what's going on there. And if you want to post Netflix stuff, that is another good place. Go to Facebook, type in Proudly Resents. And if you like any episode, please put it on your Facebook, your Tumblr, your whatever. Just re- 
your Twitter. Let people know. And I appreciate everyone who's done that. That's actually made a huge difference. Do you want to talk about Margaret a little bit? Margaret, Margaret Trigg. Oh, yeah. Well, she did great. She was awesome. She, she was in, we talked about this movie, Rotor. She was in that. She was the female lead uh, in Rotor. But she's also in Aliens in, in America, Aliens in My Neighborhood. No, what was it? There was a TV show, and it was like it was. I think it was ABC's answer to uh, to Third Rock from the Sun, and it was My Mother the Alien. Uh huh. I think was the name of the show, and it was like they were they were trying to sort of bite on that Third you know Rock what? from the Sun. Actually, they turned down Third Rock to do this show. Really? Yeah. So someone got fired. So I'm sure, but, but she um, did so many as a performance artist. Well, she did. What's some of the things she did? She was. Well, amazing. I knew Margaret way before I even had Surf Reality because I, one of my videotaping gigs uh, was I was the videographer for a a, um, a weekly uh, variety showcase called uh, No Shame that was at the Public Theater, mm -hmm. and my friend Matt Mittler curated it, and all kinds of crazy people. And these are the like the people that actually sort of inspired me to start Surf Reality would, were performing at it. People like Jeff Ayers. Uh, the the sketch comedy group Mental Furniture, Tom Carosa, uh, Margaret Trigg was one of these people. A lot of the people from the Cucaracha theater scene were part of it. Um, so the, like the Poster Boys, um, Cameron Mannheim, uh, who later went on to star in The Practice, was part of that whole scene. And she was in the film Cracking Up that Matt wrote and directed and that I co-produced and yeah, well, had a writing credit on. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, I mean Margaret was part of that whole scene, and so when Surf started, she was she knew me already, and she was like she jumped in with both feet, and she she was awesome. I mean she get she uh, uh, you know was was doing doing her performance art at Surf before she was in My Mother the Alien, and then she was also doing performance art during My Mother the Alien, and then after My Mother the Alien, she was still doing performance art at Surf Reality, and once she had all these like. Uh, uh, industry, uh, you know, interest in her. Uh -huh. She would book showcases at Surf and book Surf talent and have, and then invite her industry contacts to come see the other people as oh, well. That's great. She was so so generous. Uh -huh. I, I, it was it was just amazing, and I was actually shocked, you know, when when she passed at you know what that whole what that was all about. I had no idea. Oh really? You know that she was. You know, bulimic, and it was just like it's such a weird thing. With it. I didn't know her that well, but that she was beautiful, and I think that the pressure to be so thin and all that stuff must have made her. I mean, it must have been such a, especially in Hollywood. Like you know, if I'm thinner, I could work more. I don't know. It just seemed like what more could yeah. she do? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because she was gorgeous. I mean, yeah. she was she was she not and not only was she gorgeous, but she was also so kind to everyone else around her. Uh -huh. And I couldn't understand why she was being so aggressive towards herself. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. You know yeah. that she would do that to herself when she when her natural inclination is to be generous and kind to everyone around her. Uh -huh. Although a lot of her comedy was biting and and sarcastic and, you know, but in, uh, she she would always kind of take it back in the end and make it nice. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, um, it, it was it was really sad. Yeah. Yeah, she's good. There was a lot of good people came out like her. When 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 we closed Surf Reality, the very last thing we did at Surf was a. Um, was Face Boys Open Mike did a 28-hour marathon that we called Surf Stock, uh -huh. and it and it was 28-hour nonstop uh, open the, mic. It went from 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 Sunday at eight in the evening until the following Monday at eight in the evening. Wow! 
and uh, um, so it was like a 30-some hour uh, open mic. And the and 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 round robin like at four in the morning there were still people going on at seven in the morning there were still people going up at ten in the morning there were right. still people going up and then by the time six o'clock Monday evening rolled around the place was packed again and then by the time the last act of the last thing we were we were packed to the rafters and then you know face boy uh you know the last the very last act everybody's on stage together singing this crazy song and and there's a video of it somewhere but margaret trigg is uh, using the lighting grid uh, like a trapeze wow she's hanging up there and 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 yeah Fuck swinging her. back and forth uh what made you what made you close it was it the least thing yeah uh uh the rent went from 3500 a month to eight thousand dollars a month and now do you know what it is now it's it was a yoga place last summer it's still a yoga place it's a bikram yoga and that kind of and actually that kind of business model will work fine because if you're charging twenty dollars per per yoga person and and you can have 30 of them in there at a time so that's six hundred dollars right there for one session and you're doing six sessions a day yeah you can pay that kind of rent you uh -huh. know but i can't charge uh, would be downtown, you know, performance art producers, five hundred dollars for for a show slot. No, and not there. You know, you know that, like we're gonna charge that. You have to have a, a a real theater. I mean, well, a bigger theater. Yeah, more than fifty seats. So that they can get uh, you know, in. Or you could charge five hundred now, but you couldn't charge it. No, it, you wouldn't have got ago. the same thing. I you you let us and your wife was great about letting me produce stuff, uh, for cheap or but. That I got to do crazy ideas, and other people did crazy ideas. Um, uh, Hank and I, uh, Hank Flynn, somebody did a show uh, where they put two people together, and they just said, "Do whatever you want," and it was great. And we just did. Yeah. We had two nights, and there's a, you can do different things each night. So. That was the that was the idea. It was that we wanted to create a place that where people could fail. Yeah. We wanted we wanted a sandbox. The idea was we wanted to keep it cheap enough so that uh, people could decide to whether to invite an audience or not. Uh, um, so we didn't market the theater to audiences. We marketed it to the artists, uh -huh. and so the the rental had to be cheap enough that artists could afford it. Um, and now you know, it, you, there's no reason even to do something like that in Manhattan anymore because those kinds of artists can't afford to live in Manhattan. Right, they have to commute in. Yeah, from Bushwick. So and it, that already becomes too expensive for me. Even Bushwick is now becoming too expensive for those artists. Uh -huh. I don't know where the artists are going to go. Quite frankly, if this whole um, Giuliani Bloomberg real estate revolution continues on its trajectory uh, that Yonkers. it's been on, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Where where are they going to go? Uh, and and then what happens to 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 the. Uh, it's kind of like the culture of New York City. It's like the foundational part, you know, the part that 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 seeds, you know, all the stuff that makes money. When that when that isn't there anymore, when that aquifer when that when that aquifer dries up, uh -huh. you know, the whole thing's going to get brittle and it's going to get it's going to get plastic. Like the seventies when in New York. Yeah. And there, there won't, you know, and, and you know, hip hop and punk rock in a way woke the city up in a big way. Uh huh. Um, and 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 in the seventies, Manhattan, you had Soho, you had the East Village, you had cheap, you had cheap real estate. But now you don't even have cheap real estate in in Astoria. I was just walking by here to come here to this. Yeah, we're in Astoria, Queens. I saw 
in Astoria, they're asking for $3,000 a month for 600 square feet. Uh-huh. And you're on the end of the train. And, yeah. And that's Astoria. How, where are your artists going to live? And where are they going to produce? And where are they going to create You know that, that radical stuff that, that kind of depends on an environment where failure is an option? Uh-huh. You know, failure needs to be an option. Otherwise, otherwise, if you keep playing it safe, it's not really art anymore. Then it's craft. Well, then you're an amateur trying to be a professional. You're trying to do something after someone's failed. So you're right. You're, you're jumping that middle part of the learning curve. You're yeah. Because you want to be perceived as a reason why someone's paying you $20 to come in because you're paying $500 for the space. Yeah. Yeah. And you lose that thing where it's like, well, it's $3 or it's $2 or... And we're trying something out. Yeah, yeah. And you can check it out. We did... So Hank and I did this thing. We I used to do a, um, a game show for my stand-up, and I did it with Hank one night. And then we developed that into the game show we did at your place for about a year. And then we tried to pitch it for a long time. And then we uh, FM and I sold it as a puppet show. It became a show called Late Night Liars, which uh, we got all the way up there. We created all the characters and then got fired. So also with Henson. So Henson was a big supporter of um, of your place twice. So anyway, that came out of that. And a lot of people, things didn't come out or they did. Reverend yeah. Jen. Well, also HBO books. HBO came by, you know, Lou Viola and, and U.S. Uh, Comedy Arts came by and they, they, they booked the place for showcases for Aspen. Uh-huh. So, you know, Judy Gold performed there, Liz Winstead performed there, Louis Black performed there. Uh, but they were already all, all big, you know, uh-huh. but, but nonetheless, they were using the space as a tryout thing. Because uh, um, of no pressure. There was no pressure. And they didn't bring in, they, and they only had invited audiences. You know, right. there was just people they wanted. It, it wasn't like tickets at the door. Oh, but you know, who, who famous came out? The very first show they did in New York City ever in 1996, Upright Citizens Brigade, Surf Reality. Oh, yeah. Sold out. In fact, when the last, it, it, was, it was so sold out, when the last person buzzed in, it was an agent, I had to let her in, it was my spot I had to give up. Uh-huh. I didn't even get to see the show. <laughs> there was no room. <laughs> there was no room for me. And you knew right then. But the Upright Citizens came out, of, uh, they, they did their very first show in New York, was at Surf Reality, and they performed at Surf a, a few times, and they were, they were great. They were awesome, and they're uh-huh. just wonderful people. Um, and they went on to kind of take that model. I mean, maybe that is the place where they can afford to do it, because they're going to make money on their ASCAT shows, their shows where... They know people will come so they can take chances on other shows. Yeah. And they only charge $5, at least in yeah. L.A., yeah. which it's, is great. Uh, yeah, and, they, and they, now they've got two theaters in New York, and yeah, right. they're, they're great. And so maybe, Yeah, that's one of the places. And uh, Amy Poehler is an international star. Yeah, it's amazing. Right, she came, failed, worked her way up, and kept doing different shows. There's a place in Brooklyn I went to called Free Candy on Atlantic Avenue, and it was kind of the same kind of surf feel. That, and that, that was just amazing that Those places around. are necessary. They have, yeah. they are... And it was above a garage, it was an old garage, and it was, it was amazing. Yeah, it looked, it was a worse neighborhood. Yeah, well, yeah it was, right? There, maybe there, maybe there's a brothel nearby too, so, you know. <laughs> I checked. I was like, well, now do you remember before we go, how we met, the night we met? No. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Is it embarrassing to me? No. no. <laughs> what so, did I do? <laughs> uh, my friend was in the Rick Shapiro show, and I went, and I loved it. It blew my mind. I brought my brothers in town. It blew my mind. And then I'm working as a waiter, and we're getting drunk. We went to a piano bar in the West Village. And, um, and I go, oh, we got to see this great show. We're drunk uh, at this place in the East Village. We should go. It's so great. 
So we get in a cab and we go over there. We're just hammered. We, you buzz us in. We walk up the stairs and you're like five dollars. Or was it three dollars or five dollars? For Rick, I think yeah. it was five. And I was, I was like, what? There's only twenty minutes left in the show. And you're like, I don't care, five dollars. Twenty minutes left in the show. Like, I don't care. <laughs> and I, and I'm thinking like it's gonna be two dollars each. And you're like, I don't care. And you can go. I don't care. So we we're fucking hammered, pissed. We leave. And you're huge at the time, jacked. You mean like m- muscular? Buff? Yeah. <laughs> and we're just like we're five skinny guys. We're like we're five. So we leave. We just go to another bar. And we're just drinking. We're like we're gonna fucking kick that guy's ass. We're gonna go back there. We're gonna tell him what the fuck is up. So we're hammered. We, we walk up the stairs. We buzz us in. We walk up the stairs and. It was one guy, one guy was definitely, I wish I knew, knew his name because I want to call him out. He was he hid behind us. He was talking most of the shit. And as soon as we got up there, it was me and one other guy right in your face. And um, we were ready to fucking pound you. And you go, hey, there you are. I was chasing after you guys to come in anyway. Anyway, why don't you come in and watch the rest of the show? We're like, what? And we're totally diffused. We're like, yeah, after you left, I realized, yeah, why not? And then we came in, and then you and I drank till. After the show. (laughs) (laughs) So first I was a jerk and then I was a nice guy. Yeah, which is you. (laughs) That's me, yeah. Yeah, That's that's pretty much... I always feel bad, you know. (laughs) Always throwing people out or... No, I tend to to have a a crusty exterior and then... Yeah, you're a nice guy. And then I was like, oh, this guy's a nice guy. We we did the game show at your place, Rock'em Sock'em Robot, a lot. I remember, yeah. But one time, you you videotaped it because it was part of the surf festival. You guys did a comedy festival. And uh, so I have a video of it. You were nice to send me, but it's it's one angle, right? So it's Mm -hmm. the whole thing, like a security camera. And outside, someone's like, someone's getting mugged. And you're what? And everyone's like, what? And then you see you run across the stage and then back with a bat. You want to talk about the movie Cracking Up or Cracked Up? Cracking Up. That was my friend Matt Mittler. And that sort of came, came out of the whole videotaping thing that I was doing uh, before the theater, uh, opened the theater. And one of the things we did on the side for fun was Matt had this idea to do what he called Movie of the Month. And um, what it was was we do uh, we we uh, he knew you know all these great actors from the Cucaracha scene the, the No Shame people the, the Joseph Papp who were like improv actors really talented people people like Margaret Trigg Man- Man- uh, Cameron Manheim people like that uh, Todd Alcott was part of that scene who re- went on, on went on to write Ants. Um, uh-huh. And he produced it, Surf 2, later on. Anyway, um, so we did these movies at the month, and the idea was we'd shoot a movie in one day. Uh, we'd shoot it, uh, uh, we'd have a storyline, the actors would improvise the dialogue, and we'd shoot in sequence. So by the end of the day, we'd have like maybe five locations within a s- seven block radius. So that by the end of the day, we'd have a movie in the camera. Uh-huh. Now we'd have to do a slice the, the scenes that we wanted together because we shot in sequence so that way the dialogue would make sense for what they improvised before. Uh-huh. And this was called Movie of the Month. My wife asked me, what is this you're doing? What is it, you know, how, how does that feel? What are you, what, you know, making these weird movies? And I said, it's like surfing reality. And I went, oh, surf reality, yeah. Anyway, these movies um, uh, sort of grew into a, you know, a, uh, Matt started uh, then writing, you know, actually writing a script, and uh, and it became cracking up, and, it, <coughs> and it's uh, basically the story of uh, 
a kind of a Lenny Bruce-like story, a, a brilliant performance comic who self-destructs, uh, doesn't, uh, who refuses to compromise in any way artistically or uh, in terms of uh, his own personal life. Like he's just a committed hedonist, so he, lots of drugs, lots of sex, lots of just, um, and the guy basically sort of explodes uh, uh, in public. Is that available in the movie? Yeah. I'll find it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a Netflix thing, but I think you can, if you if you look for it, there, there's, I think somebody has it. I, I saw it at Surf. It was my third or fourth time going, and it was, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, uh, uh, Cameron Manheim's in it. Uh -huh. um, uh, Todd Alcott's in it. I mean, nobody really famous. The Poster Boys. I mean, a lot of the people who, you know, I was inspired to create the theater for were in it. Linda Hill, mm -hmm. uh, people like that, Chuck Montgomery. Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Oh, cool. Any other movie you recommend people to see that you've, uh, you've seen? This is going full circle. What have I seen lately? Uh, no, I got nothing. I got nothing to recommend right right off. I ain't got nothing. I, ain't got nothing. I actually liked the Lone Ranger film. What? Yeah, you didn't like it. I didn't see it. Yeah, I'm I, judging. I, yeah, I know. I mean, people are like, well, but I I, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I mean, they spent 150 million on it. Why, yeah, why? I, I that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> you would have toned it back. But yeah. I I enjoyed seeing Johnny Depp with a big old bird on his head. Yeah, that's worth it. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, very good. We'll go see Johnny Depp with a bird on his yeah. head. All right, thanks, Robert. All right, thank Probably you, Adam. Probably thanks for having. Adam. Thanks a lot. Are you on Twitter? Is there any way people can reach you if they want no, to reach No, I'm not on. I mean, I am, what but if I hardly ever do it. I, I, um, what is it, at Robert Pritchard? Uh, it's Surf Reality NYC. Oh, I get tweets from you once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, anyone producing Toxic Avenger movie, how do they reach you? Uh, uh, <laughs> they can reach reach me at, at Surf Reality NYC, or they can reach me at, at uh, rob at surfreality.com. That's my email. It's great. Um, and do you have those pictures posted or anything from the surf days online? Um, there's some Facebook stuff. Yeah, to join Robert Pritchard on Facebook. And yeah, and, or join stuff. Surf Reality on Facebook. Oh, do that. Join Surf Reality on Facebook. Uh, where the show's on every other week. We'll have bonus episodes. If you like the show, if you're new to it, go to iTunes or wherever you uh, get your podcasts. And look, there's 50 to 100 episodes. Pick the movie, the interview you're interested in. And uh, go check out Danny, who did our, our audio. Yeah, it's a show called That's the Show with Danny. On the Is it on the Keith and the Girl uh, network? Yeah, it's on their network. If you go to keithandthegirl.com slash VIP, you can find it there. Great. Let's check it out. you got to be a VIP. Robert, I'm sorry. You can't hear the show. Sorry, Robert. Damn. All right. <laughs> Man. All right. Talk to you guys later. <laughs>